1: To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wing.
0: Now Artestas jumped over the scores table. is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in
1: this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, July 23rd. Nick Whalen. Back with James Anderson it's been quite a while we've spaced out these pods a decent amount in the offseason uh, one of the big benefits to that is free agency's been over for a solid two weeks now so we don't even have to feel obligated to talk about any of that it's been discussed at length uh, certainly on another podcast so what we want to do today is something that we typically wait until late September I think we might have even waited until early October last year um, but as you know gambling Uh, Sports gambling in particular, the NBA, you know, kind of at the forefront of that as far as integrating it. Uh, As it becomes more popular, we start to get more odds and we start to get them sooner. So we already have uh, win total over-unders. We we had them, I think, basically the day that the season ended for for next year. Um, I think to us, those were kind of pointless until we you know saw how the dominoes fell with the draft and certainly with free agency. But at this point, it feels like we're pretty much locked in um you know we'll we'll have some some moves around the margins there's still some kind of random four fourth fifth tier free agents that are going to sign, but for the most part uh the final domino I think people were kind of waiting on was Chris Paul, and you know reports over these last few days are now that he's most likely going to at least begin the season in o k c maybe play out the year, see where it goes from there um so we have win totals they're going to change between now and opening night, but they probably won't change much. Unless something completely unforeseen happens, um, we're going to do the Eastern Conference today. We're going to follow up with the Western Conference probably sometime next week. In the past, we've tried to fit these into one podcast, and we've done so very successfully. But it's led to, you know, the final five or six teams kind of getting squeezed and, and not getting the time that they deserve. So we'll we'll just do the fifteen Eastern Conference teams uh, and try to dedicate you know at least five or six minutes to each team. So going in alphabetical order, James Anderson, the Atlanta Hawks who won 29 games last season. Their line is set at 33-and-a-half. Are you going over or under?
2: Uh, well, first I, I want to say we got these lines, or I got these lines from uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and I was honestly surprised that they had them out there as, as early as they did just because um, – you know, everyone, myself included, still trying to get a read of all these rosters and everything. So, props to props to them for getting those lines up, uh, ASAP after the the trade deadline. Uh, yeah. So, thirty three and a half for the Hawks. I won twenty nine games last year. I I've marked some of these as stayaways, some of these as as locks, and we're starting off with one that I would stay away from. I am going to go over thirty three and a half. But I mean it it's just it's such a good line uh that they put out there. I mean that's right right in that sweet spot of like I, I could see them winning anywhere from like thirty to thirty six games. Uh the the over bet is just kind of I think there's a chance that in year two of Trey Young running a team, the the floor for a team like that in the East might be like 35 wins if if he's healthy, just because of of just the the type of offense, how it flows, uh, how much better he makes his teammates, uh, the amount that he stretches the court for everyone. But there are some abs- some significant concerns. This is not a team that's in like we're trying to get that eight seed mode yet and that was kind of evidenced by some of the moves they made in the offseason taking on Alan Crabb taking on uh, Evan Turner and I don't like the Jabari Parker edition um, but I mean for a team like that I think it's a it's a fine lottery ticket to to throw out there but this isn't a team that's constructed as if like all right all these pieces perfectly fit now their core pieces fit really well, but a lot of those guys are, are either rookies or second-year players, so, you know, I, I think it's asking a lot for them to compete for a playoff spot this year, uh, but I'm I'm going over, and it's kind of just a bet on Trey Young's ability to lift a team into that mid-30s range in his second year. I thought
1: you were going to lock that in. I really did. I, I would have guessed that this line would be set a little bit higher, I think, you're not going to talk to anyone who's like really low on the Hawks going into next Mm -hmm. year. You know, I think, I think saying that they're going to win games in the low thirties is probably, you know, about as low on them as you'll find people. Uh, But I'm with you. I went over, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I I think maybe for the first half of the season, maybe for a month or two during the season, they'll look like they're in the playoff race, but I I think they're kind of closer to last year's Kings, um, you know, than they are even a team like Detroit, which on paper, you, know, you compare those two rosters. I, I like Atlanta quite a bit more, obviously for the next five or ten years, but uh, it's really hard for me to see this team with only kind of minor adjustments and you know the the two biggest additions, this offseason are, are both rookies, one of which in Cam Reddish you know is is a massive massive gamble. Um, and we really don't know even if it's the best case for him, probably not a, a, a plus contributor in year one. Uh, but at the same time, it, it does feel like there's an upward trajectory with this team i i will slightly disagree with you on the point that you know they they don't want to win games I, i think last year would have been the year to not win games and you're looking at game 82 they played all five starters 30 plus minutes john collins played 36 minutes in that game like they were by no means trying to lose games at the end of last year and i think they're kind of moving further and further away from that mindset you know not that they don't want to add another star but this doesn't strike me as a team that could be five hundred at the all star break and then, you know, just completely no, pack it in. I,
2: I don't mean I definitely don't mean that they're tanking. I just mean from a roster construction standpoint, they're still kind of an asset accumulation mode where they didn't the the moves they made this off season weren't like, all right, how can we add wins to the roster? Like how can we win as many possible games as we can win this year? The the moves they made in the off season were kinda like, Yeah, we'll take your bad contract, like um, you know, I I I think that's fine. It's just mm-hmm. that this isn't a perfect roster to me, and I really I don't think there's many guys at all on this roster that I think are going to be positives in terms of helping an NBA team win games. Like I, I think it's Trey Young is is going to be a clear positive for them. Otherwise, you would just bang the under. And I think Kevin herter has got a chance to to help them win games. I think John Collins, uh, is is an overrated player in real life, but I still think he's a, a a positive player but you can't expect their two rookies to come in uh, or their their two high picks to come in and help them win games right away even though deandre hunter's a, a pretty advanced rookie and i mean i don't i don't expect alex len to be like a, a positive contributor or evan turner or alan crab i mean i think those guys are just sort of at best they're like neutral players and so i just i think that there is sort of a ceiling on how many wins this team is ready to to go get in an 82 game mm. season
1: I mean, this team started 6-23 and last year. That was at the absolute peak of me thinking that I was completely right about Trey Young yeah. being a massive bust. I think you and I were enjoying that day-to-day. They finished the year on a 40-win pace the rest of the way, you know, over the final 50 or so games. So, you know, there's, there is reason to believe that if they pick up where they left off, you know, they're a team that could easily get to 35, 36, 37 Um, but I I do tend to to side with you in the regard that they don't have a ton of upside right now. It, It still seems like they're a year or two away. The the additions this summer, like you said, um, you know, basically swapping out one bad contract for another, you know, giving giving Bays more to Portland, taking Evan Turner back, that's kind of a negative or a or you know, a no sum for them. You got Jabari Parker, you got Chandler Parsons, you know, guys who the best case scenario is they're what league average players if if not slightly below um so I, I do think that while i'll take the over on the hawks you know they're they're to me not really this team that's ready to all of a sudden be the seven or the eight seed in the east even though they have two of the more exciting young players in the conference
2: no i mean i think it's it's going to be a fun team to watch uh but it's going to be like if trey young misses 12 games i think that they hit this under like i, I really don't think there's a
1: I'm, I'm looking at the depth witter, chart right witter. now. We have Cam Reddish as the backup point guard. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna, I don't think that's correct, but it's, it's it's Evan Turner or it's DeAndre Bembry. You know, they they are very thin at point guard. They're a little bit thin at center. All of a sudden, you know, Dwayne Deadman was was hurt on and off last year, but you know that's going to be a common theme with a few of these teams in the East. Is the center position is all of a sudden a major liability? I mean, right. Alex Len is probably coming off of his best season, but you know you're talking about that in the context of Alex Len um john collins has firmly said he's power forward he wants to play power forward you know there's going to be times where he's playing center but the lack of depth at point guard and the lack of his overall talent at center i think probably caps this this team's upside
2: yeah and if if trey young even if he stays healthy and he has kind of like a sophomore swoon type like mm-hmm. a, a jason tatum like or donovan mitchell like in the first half last year like that probably helps them yeah. hit this under too i i just don't think I don't really want to bet against him being able to lead this team to 34 35 wins i think that that that's what i would bet if i had to but i just think there's so many ways this it's all about trey young like without
1: him this team would still be one of the worst in, mm-hmm. in the entire league the boston celtics 49 wins last year uh this one opens at 48 and a half so despite all the upheaval uh, Vegas basically sees this as as a similar team to last year you 're going over or under on forty eight and a half for boston i'm going over and if they had any
2: semi decent real life centers i'd have them in the mid fifties. I just think that that one position is the only thing that make made me think about this at all but yep. I mean if you just look at their depth one through four I mean, it's really, really nice. It's really impressive. I think the, I mean, the the pieces fit really well. Like that, they're, they're. I hope that they run the lineup where it's like whoever you want to call the center is the center, but it's basically either Tatum or Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown is the center. But like that, that uh, Walker Hayward Tatum uh, Brown mm-hmm. Smart lineup to me is just going to be really fun if they if they ever roll with that. Uh, I think that this is just kind of a classic last year's team super underperformed expectations so people have kind of swung it too far the other way and like like Jason Tatum I expect to just have a a monster year this Mm -hmm. year Uh, I think Gordon Hayward's going to be much better than he was last year like he doesn't even have to be Utah Gordon Hayward just kind of you know uh, a poor man's version of Utah Gordon Hayward I think that that would be a huge help to this team and uh, I think the there's a, there's a ton of Ewing theory potential here with just those guys being so happy that that Kyrie Irving's gone and they're just and even Terry Rozier they probably it, are, yeah. if are they win sixty games it's too. renamed the Kyrie theory yeah and, and so I just think that this is it's swung too far the other way this is still a really talented team yes. they didn't live up to expectations last year uh, the Al Horford loss and even the Aaron Baines loss mm-hmm. those are big those are like really big losses but. Right. um you know, I just I think that their depth one through four is just so good, and I think Kemba Walker is going to be such a good fit, and I think uh, Brad Stevens is going to be kind of re-energized a little bit too. Where you know, I, I think this is one of the best teams in the East. I actually think they're probably going to get the
1: three seed. So I initially went under. I switched to over. Made it a, a complete stay away. Um, I don't feel good about this one at all, and for the exact reason you laid out. I I love every position, all the depth that they have. Except for center. And going to get Indus Cantor was just a very <laughs> bizarre, un Celtics like decision. And I I do agree with what you said, you know, that hopefully we don't see, you know, thirty five minutes a night of traditional center, but I also don't know Right. Like, is, Can Jason Tatum play center for more I, than two minutes at a time? Like, he, I, I honestly think, I mean, you basically,
2: whoever you're going to say is the center is who you're having guard the other team center, and yeah. I think Marcus Smart's
1: the best of those five to ask to sure. go guard an opposing center, which is kind of crazy. So I agree with that point, but at the same time, like, how long can you get away with that in a conference where you're going up against Brooke Lopez, Marcus Gasol, Joel Embiid, and Al Horford, Miles Turner, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, Nikola Vucevic, Andre Drummond, bam out of bio you're like i just i just don't know how many well, minutes you can get away from that away with that kind of lineup and actually be productive i'll
2: just be fascinated to see like how it goes because you could say like yeah how are they gonna match up with opposing bigs but if they go with that lineup how are the like who's the opposing big gonna guard like i'm in that situation and True. like well, probably marcus smart right but <laughs> still like you're you're gonna have um know a ton of space like i mean marcus smart basically then becomes the center in that he's the only guy you don't have to guard like far away from the basket but uh i mean that's still like a nightmare matchup for most teams on the other end so it's kind of are you gonna dictate terms or are you gonna like Mm -hmm. kind of just try to match up with the other team Uh, i'm just fascinated to see how it goes but i mean to me it's just too much talent it's too much of a um you know that there's Sort of a theory in um, baseball that like uh, Bill James came up with like decades ago, where it's sort of an elasticity on these like year to year win totals where like the team that really underperformed um, oftentimes really bounces back the next year, the team that really overperformed often bounces back uh, the next year. And I think that it, there's just too much uh, rebound potential with this team. I mean, people thought they were going to win. Some people uh, thought they were going to win in the 60s last year. I mean, I, I, all, all, a lot of those pieces are still there. I think Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving in the regular season, I don't see that as a downgrade at all. And if you factor in uh, intangibles, I think it might mm-hmm. be an upgrade. So it's it's not, it's not a stay away for me. I would bet it. It's not a lock either, though.
1: Yeah. If you believe in Brad Stevens, I, I think the over is, is somewhat safe. You know, he won 48 games going all the way back now to 2016. And we're talking the, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Evan Turner, Marcus Smart, Jared Sullinger starting 73 games, Amir Johnson starting 76 games, Celtics. And then he won 53, which was, you know, the Isaiah year. And then it was 55, two seasons ago, Kyrie's first year. Um, And, you know, with everything seemingly going wrong last year, still got to 49. Like, I was kind of surprised to check that total and see that it was that high. You know, that was... They basically had the same season that the Utah Jazz did, and obviously the Jazz' schedule is different, playing in the West. Um, but we're, you know, we look at the Jazz as having a really good 50 win season last year. Boston felt like an absolute disaster. Still got to 49. I, I am a subscriber to the belief that when you take everything into account, Kyrie and Kemba is kind of a wash at least for this year. Um, but it really does come back to the center position. Like we're going to find out just how valuable Al Horford was, you know, relative to someone like Kyrie Irving to the team. Do
2: Do you think there's any chance that like all of a sudden in the preseason people are like whoa like Robert Williams Daniel Tice. like I didn't realize those guys were this good like are, did the Celtics like know something we don't like about any of them being better than just backup
1: centers or is this
2: is this just 100% they think Enos Cantor
1: well those is- guys are gonna play right I mean they're not gonna nobody's really been able to get away with playing Cantor more than like 20 minutes a game mm-hmm. you know and maybe Boston gets him up to 25 and I mean Tice has been fine you know I'm not not really out on him i mean robert williams had a higher block rate than mitchell robinson last year but he only played like 200 minutes uh to, to me like he's not really the solution you know mm. I, I think tice is probably the guy that is maybe the safest of those three or at least the least likely to to, to make like horrific mistakes that end up costing you points on the defensive I, end i'd love to know if there was if something just didn't go the way they
2: thought and they thought they were getting you know kevon looney or someone like that if they just got stuck like playing musical chairs and just got stuck without anywhere and like they just had to go canter or if they legitimately saw canter play for the blazers last year and we're like Mm -hmm. hey there's actually something we like here like we can we can use this this way
1: that way like I, I i mean there is something to like with Cantor. i mean i i enjoy watching him offensively i mean he had some huge games for portland he's had big games wherever he goes it's just and they were, no team has decided that it's worth it
2: they were a pretty bad rebounding team last year right i mean that's like one Boston. The, yeah, yeah that's like one of the Even things portland, that he does it's right. like he's he is a volume gonna, rebounder he's a volume rebounder yeah and
1: and we also can't rule out and that's something you know you have to take into account with with at least some of these over-unders mid-season moves you know like it, it would not be off the table for them mm-hmm. to acquire a center at some point in fact i would say that's relatively likely right. especially if they struggle early um you know it'd be interesting i don't i don't think this is actually a possibility but if they could pry jared allen away from brooklyn now that he's <laughs> well, apparently they, the backup they, to deandre yeah. for the next few years can
2: i mean should we have semi-olderly on the center depth chart, like could he get He'll like 15 probably. minutes a game at center i mean if marcus
1: smart can play center semi can play center
2: yeah i i i'm just really interested to see what they're you know obviously they're going to start a center and the, you know technically they're, they're yeah. going to be playing centers but like, <laughs> i just want to see if they have a go-to lineup yep. against smaller teams that has a ton of
1: success mm-hmm. i could really see that happening uh before we move on from boston where are you at on taco fall I'm so over it. I'm I, same here. I, was, I would take like, the under on. If 15 I hear people talk year. about Taco Fall one more time on a podcast or something, <laughs> He's not I'm just good. gonna lose it. He is not playable. Uh, okay, thank you for saying that. Brooklyn Nets, 42 wins last season. uh This one opens at 47 and a half. Despite the knowledge that Kevin Durant almost certainly will not play in the regular season, probably won't play in the postseason. Uh, over under on 47 and a half.
2: I'm going under, and I almost locked it in. Um, but I think they just have a little too much talent to to lock in the under there. But, um, you know, I think that the, the backcourt and wing depth is really good. Uh, does Kyrie Irving make young players worse is a question that I would have. And how terrible is DeAndre Jordan? Like, is he <laughs> just 100% terrible? Did he not try at all last year and he's ready to try this year. Like I I think that there's – that's always sort of scary to me when you go into a season with a guy clearly going to be treated as the starter, get starters minutes when the guy behind him is clearly better and it's just only happening for like political reasons where um, like everyone on the team other than maybe Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan are going to realize in – (laughs) <laughs> like early in the season that he's not the answer there but he's mm-hmm. going to continue to play I feel like that's uh, never a good scenario I think that there's uh, kind of a, a similar type of risk with this Nets team as there was with the Celtics last year where you have these young guys and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and I mean, to a lesser extent Joe Harris and uh, they had a ton of success last year and then all of a sudden they're going to be asked to sort of take these uh backseat roles a little bit more especially as primary ball handlers and i think that that can sometimes go the wrong way mm-hmm. um you know i i think that their depth at the four is is a little sketchy um just I, I think it's a really big number for a team with that many questions 47 and a half even in the east that's yeah. a really good team and i just i think we the only real example we have of a team winning a, like a ton of games uh with Kyrie Irving on it where these last two Celtics team with Kyrie Irving being the best player on it with right. these last two Celtics teams and uh, last year's Celtics team had way more talent on it than this year's Nets team does and they only got mm-hmm. to 49 right. uh the year before that um you know they, they had even more talent on it and, and so mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think you would have to be uh really really bullish on a bounce back year from Kyrie Irving uh, just from a leadership standpoint to take that over
1: yeah I think Kyrie's numbers are going to be great Um, I've no doubt about that but I think this is really the first year that we're going to get a firm answer as to what happens when Kyrie Irving is for sure your absolutely best player and the heart of your team because Mm -hmm. even though he was the best player the last two years in Boston it never really felt like it was his team I, I think outwardly publicly it was his team but I think it was still Al Horford it was guys like Marcus Smart who had been there um like even in, in next, a lot of ways
2: like the next best guy on to him on those Celtics teams was close enough that it was like right. kind of a gray area whereas well, on it, this team like the next best guy is probably Karis Levert. sure <laughs> well
1: and in terms of you know leadership and veteran presence which are you know partially unquantifiable but like it, it felt like what the gap in talent between Kyrie and Horford was almost made up for and what what Horford brought in intangibles and having a coach like Brad Stevens who got a ton of credit like it, it never was The Kyrie show other than you know the off-court things this will be the Kyrie show this will be the Kyrie show yes and it was never the Kyrie show in Cleveland once LeBron got there I don't think it's quite fair to judge Kyrie pre-LeBron you know just because he was at such an early stage in his career but back then he was not a winning player remotely I mean he was a a guy who was putting up 20 points per game on some of the worst teams in the league and and granted he has better talent in Brooklyn than he had in you know Anderson Vergeau and Deion Waiters and JJ Hickson or whoever else but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I should say I've ticked the under as well. We're three for three now um, on matching these picks. But I didn't really think too hard about this one. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets get to, like, 45, 46, 47. Like, they, they should be a mid-to-high mid, mid to high 40s win team. But like you said, there are, there are some depth issues. I don't trust DeAndre Jordan. Um I, what, what I see. You, I so think I do trust
2: DeAndre Jordan. I trust. I, I know exactly what DeAndre Jordan is, and I trust him to be that player. And he was terrible last yeah. year, and I think he's <laughs> going to be terrible again this year.
1: Well, I think you're bringing in two guys in Kyrie and DeAndre, who you know, it's like Kyrie, KD, and DeAndre are kind of their own three, joining a team that has been playing together, that has come up together, guys who you know, have, it's like your Spencer Dinwiddie's. Karis LeVerts. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were building something together, yes.
2: like as a bunch of young guys that like nobody believed yes. in and they were like accomplishing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now, yep. now we're ready to actually be a real exactly. team. You guys have to take a backseat. Yeah, well,
1: not only were they doing that, I mean, we say, we say that about a lot of young teams, like they were giving interviews and doing videos saying like, this is, you know, this is very real. And I think on paper, it sounds great. You know, if you're Spencer Dinwiddie to say, Hey, we're, you know, we're ready to, to take it to the next level, but uh we'll see is is the best way i think to put it because that's going to mean a lot less or a lot fewer shots for for a lot of these guards and like you said the four position is still very much up in the air i mean wilson chandler has not been a productive nba player in like three years um and beyond him you know it's a second year guy and Kurook's who looked okay last year but you know not really a full-time starter david and waba you know they have a flyer on on henry ellenson a, a second rounder nick claxton like and someone like deandre jordan can't really slide down and play the four at this point jared allen has very limited experience doing that so that that's a pretty big hole um they can go small you know maybe they go tory and prince at the four and, and and that provides a little bit more shooting but i think there are enough question marks this year at least to to feel pretty good about the under what do you think this number would be at if kevin durant was healthy does that push it towards 54 55 um
2: i think it would be yeah, I mean, I think it would be fifty-five, fifty-four and a half, something like that. I mean, that's that would be just such a, a massive swing in how I view this team. Yeah, I would
1: feel pretty good about them hitting that over, honestly. Durant's just uh, Durant is that good. They and would have to put it. Yeah, they would have to team. put
2: it in the mid fifties to just make sure they got even money on both yeah. sides of that line. But I, I, we know like Kevin Durant like a healthy Kevin Durant is the best player in the league mm-hmm. and like a healthy
1: Kyrie Irving, maybe like
2: the 20th best regular season player. Yeah, in the league? I see. Like, we've seen, like we've
1: seen LeBron yeah. and Kyrie, you know, put up 50, you know, 55 plus win seasons in Cleveland, like prime LeBron. Right. You know, like, but what, <laughs> but then what happened anytime LeBron sat out for rest? right? Like terrible, what, what was Kyrie yeah. like one in 17, I think at one point in games without LeBron since he came back. Um Now, and, in the defense of those teams,
2: they the only offense they were running was just the LeBron offense. Yes. So when the LeBron, the person the offense was named after was off the court, they weren't running any offense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, it's tough to win in the NBA when you're literally not running plays on offense. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is I, – like I said, I was close to hit, hitting lock on that under. But, um there's uh, it's kind of a respect for the talent in that backcourt uh, yeah. that i was unwilling to do that but it's it's close for me yeah.
1: a lot of respect for theo pinson Getty temple <laughs> um the charlotte hornets i've been waiting to get to this one man we, we i neither of us have had a lock yet right not yet uh we're uh, going to though no. <laughs> 39 wins last year a miraculous 39 win campaign uh vegas has them at 23 and a half uh, I wrote down here that I would take the under on about five and a half, so I'm going to take the under <laughs> and lock it in. Three and a half.
2: I will also take the under and lock it in. Um, I've, I, <laughs> I've heard like arguments that this uh, Hornets team isn't as bad as everyone's making it out to be. What's the argument? They have because they have like seven or eight Centers? Like, NBA players on the <laughs> roster. Like, I. I don't know. I, I don't... Who's the best player on this team?
1: I was going to say, I. you know, you and I both spend a lot of time on Twitter during the day <laughs> being in the office, and myself in particular on NBA Twitter, and people, you know, people who don't often opine on things like this are starting to just randomly tweet out, like, dot, 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 so who is the Hornets' best player? Yeah, And it's it's a fair question. I think there are as many as four it's candidates, like none of which Will- Marvin are qualified. Williams, maybe. Yeah, I think you know somebody could make a case for Terry Rozier based on upside I mean Nick Batum in terms of track record is probably the winner
2: Miles Bridges I mean
1: Dwayne Bacon looked pretty good (laughs) I think the if you had to
2: argue it would have to be for either Rozier Batum Bridges or Marvin Williams the fact that
1: Marvin Williams is even in this conversation all four
2: of those guys should be coming off the bench for like maybe on like a bad team nick Batum still starting or
1: you know marvin williams would probably start at the four for sure. like portland or sure. maybe brooklyn um
2: sure or uh the pay, or the pacers maybe um but like the, it's just really really rough and the fact that scary Terry's gonna be i mean in in Brooklyn, it's going to be the Kyrie Irving show. In Charlotte, it's going to be the Terry Rozier show. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be it's going to be really something. Like I, this hopefully the basketball is just so bad that they finally take that team away from from MJ and and move it somewhere else because um, they can't do that. It's it's really impressive how poorly he's been at at owning an NBA team. I mean this this is just. Not only is, is this the amount of talent they have on the roster, but they
1: are mm-hmm. aren't they over the cap? Are they capped out? Yes. Well, close to it. Yeah. I don't I don't think they're like hard capped, but yeah. they were capped out enough that they the This made is them no other using all their available yes. resources. This is the best they could put together. <laughs> yeah. They're not yeah, they've done nothing to like take on they can't even be a team like Atlanta that takes on salary and accumulates picks. It's and it's not getting any better either, you know, unless Terry Rozier. Is, is one of those guys who goes you know it's James Harden he goes to another team and all of a sudden he's an MVP candidate I'm going to say that's relatively unlikely there's no really path out of this for them they're going to have cap space but it's not really going to matter this and... might
2: be the first time we see like in an upcoming draft since Steve Francis where a, a player just gets it out there in the public like I'm not signing yeah. like you if you draft me I'm not going to sign and I mm-hmm. would 100% support a player doing that. Yeah, well, Brad Davison is, is
1: ready to go number one next year. Uh, yeah, I mean, this. I could go on it. We could do a whole podcast just kind of decrying the Hornets for the atrocity that this is. Um, I mean, I was on the record last year saying that I thought the Hawks would be historically bad. was totally wrong about that. I'd like to kind of carry over that take and reapply <laughs> it now to the Hornets. You know, we will obviously take the under on 23 and a half, but where – where's like a realistic number where you'd have to think about maybe going over?
2: Um, You know, I, I might not be quite as low on them as you. Like I, I would probably go over if it was at like 17 and a half or, I mean in in the East, I think there are enough bad teams where I think I would, I would take this team to win 18 games. But um, I mean, it's, yeah, I think they would probably be my pick for who's going to be the worst team in the league just because of how low their talent like their top talent is relative mm-hmm. like at least like the Cavs are at least going to have Kevin Love theoretically for half a season and mm-hmm. um you know the Suns have talent and the the Knicks you know the Knicks I we're, we're going to get to them that'll be fun but they I mean have, like players <laughs> but like the the Hornets it's just the fact that their best player might be marvin williams yes yeah. it's, it's pretty bad
1: we're going to see some possibly like attendance records being set negative attendance records being set i don't know what the draw is you know for so long it was kemba and even though i think people in charlotte even knew that he wasn't that good it was enough and i just yeah i don't know like what is what is like the big banner outside the arena what is the local tv commercial promoting season ticket sales look like is Devontae Graham, like, on the front of this? It's like, together we build, and it's like Malik yeah. Monk and Miles Bridges. Feel the buzz, something like that. Yeah, buzz. right. Feel the buzz. We haven't even mentioned Malik Monk. <laughs> Breakout alert. He's so bad. He's, He's pretty bad. so bad. But this season is set up for him to have an all-time, like, extreme low-efficiency type of season. Like, you know, Marshawn Brooks type of stuff that we haven't seen in a while.
2: I'd love for him and Rozier to just form this bond in the backcourt where they're just, like, thinking of themselves as sort of, like, splash brothers 2.0 yeah. and like i think that's very possible really just feeling themselves like yep
1: on opening night and, <laughs> and they, they, like they have a close loss on opening night <laughs> and that just carries them for a while what is rosier's reaction going to be back in boston like i,
2: oh, I don't think um, i think he'll get cheered i mean he's it,
1: gonna oh by the fans by the fans um oh we'll actually continue
2: on what you were gonna say Wow. Well, where was that going i think he's gonna like go in there dead set on trying to score like
1: 60 and i think he'll do that when they play the nets too the Kyrie rosier showdown sure sure
2: um, and so I think that there will be a lot of shots taken by yes. scary Terry that night. Uh, Celtics Probably fans, I think that he gets a a clean pass from them. I think mm-hmm. that they just allocated all of their hate towards Kyrie Irving.
1: Uh, I, agree. I think it's a lot. lot you easier can't do that both. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Al Horford's going to get a warm reception as yeah. well. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and I don't think Boston fans wanted Rosier back at $60 million. No, I think anyways, th- this so. was a mutual parting. And
2: um, I mean, <laughs> he's not prize. at
1: fault like for
2: no. their season at all. It's just no. that
1: he clearly wanted out and they didn't mm-hmm. want to pay him. All right. From one of the easiest to what I believe to be one of the hardest the Chicago Bulls, 22 wins last season. The number is set at 31 and a half. You are going to go i'm gonna go under
2: and this was my hardest one in the eastern conference uh i i could go back and forth like we could do the pot again next week and i might go over so absolutely stay away from this one um you know and they could they could hit this over with ease if everything breaks right but i'm still gonna go under because i have enough questions uh you know the Th- the Thad Young edition. It makes a lot of sense to me on paper, but I'm always pretty skeptical about you know a veteran who's getting kind of his last decent sized deal. Hey, and he might be playing for Team USA this summer. He was he was <laughs> literally on the list of potential replacements. I'm, so, watch I your mean, words. He's he's good. Like I think Thad Young is is a really come. good NBA player. I just how is he going to respond to going from a situation in Indiana that was, you know, very professional, very well run, you know, a lot of uh, just people playing the right way and all that stuff to all of a sudden like, you know, the Zach Levine show? Uh, I, I just have some questions about whether or not his his game might slip a little bit in this in this setup, um, especially like if, if Larry Markin and Wendell Carter maybe getting more minutes than him and he maybe doesn't think that that's how it should go like I mean that I'm a little skeptical about that uh I don't think there's any consensus on this team about who the best player is like even amongst themselves which like is kind of a a scary recipe uh I don't I think that they are very close to another mutiny uh with the coach so like that's that's kind of scary um you know if all the Kobe White minutes will probably be negative minutes this year. He's a rookie point guard, obviously. So he shot think, the ball horrifically bad at Summer League. Yeah, I think Thomas Sadoransky when he's out there, I think that they could have a, a pretty intriguing five man unit, whether or not Young's out there or not. Uh they were better with Otto Porter last year. So there's there's definitely ways where this could go well. And at times Zach Levine seems like a legitimate, like kind of go to option. I mean, he can he can score pretty efficiently at times. But this there's a lot of pressure on Wendell Carter to be uh, kind of their defensive anchor and
1: to stay healthy, and he's already uh, out six to eight weeks yeah. with um, that's a big concern for a guy who already missed second right. half of last year. Now, basically, going to be sidelined the entire summer with yeah. an injury that you can't like. It's a right. it's like a you know a Core abdominal muscle, surgery, muscle basically. Yeah. Like you can't do anything.
2: So I mean, it's a, like without Wendell Carter, like they are really thin uh up front in terms of guys that can be defensive stoppers like thad young's probably their next best defensive well, least, yeah. big
1: <laughs> that second round daniel gafford actually looked okay in summer league but he's you know of course not the answer you mentioned levine we rag on him all the time and rightfully so but i mean 24 points a game on 47 percent shooting last year like that was i like a hell like of year. i
2: think levine is a really fun offensive player to watch he's just like one of the absolute three or four worst defenders in the yeah. league
1: yeah I mean I like the Saturansky addition just for some semblance of stability because I, I agree with you I, I think Kobe White I'm excited to see how he develops I think he's going to be good I don't think it's going to happen right away I think he'll probably be you know we're, we're looking at like 41% he's gonna have a really bad year. yes like, he's gonna have a terrible year maybe as, maybe lower than that as most rookie point guards do think yeah. of how think of how bad De'Aaron Fox was for right. most of his rookie year and it, did, it didn't end up mattering are we in agreement that they're <laughs> going to flip done at some point it it seems like there was just no interest they, they I, would have no, gotten I, that they would have gotten that done on draft night if there was we I were think. in agreement they would love to not have done on the roster i don't know well i think this is gonna end up being a fultz trade where they just flip him for like True. DeAndre bembry randomly in the middle of november like True. he's just maybe, maybe they
2: flip him for marco fultz.
1: for them to sign sadaransky <laughs> draft kobe white and still have chris Dunn on the roster right now is is ridiculous I, but other than that i, I mean i like we, we kind of get a full year of Otto Porter who was pretty good for them at the end of last year that was that had just been a hole for so long as small forward basically since Lewald Deng left they had just been subbing in Danzel Valentine Chandler Hutchison last year you know Jakar Sampson name who else um if everybody stays healthy this is going to be a th- they're going to hit the over I think but if that's not the case they could very easily go under yeah no I mean it's
2: I said it's a stay away like I but they their unit of Carter, Markinen, Porter, Levine, Sadaransky, thats a yeah. that could be a really good offensive lineup. Like yes. I, I think it'll be a, a pretty poor defensive lineup, but that—that's like people were all over themselves about how they, how good they thought the Bulls' offense was going to be last year. But last year they had Chris Dunn and, and
1: Jabari Parker, and they started uh, Ryan Archdiakano for almost half their games.
2: Yeah, I mean it—it it was a last year was a a disaster this year they actually have like a a five-man unit where everyone can shoot um i mean i think Laurie markinen and zach Levine like that duo um is is really exciting Uh, so yeah i could definitely see if, if if things go right if they like never quit on the coach uh which is a big if then I think they will hit the over, I will I say the opposite.
1: I think they need to quit on the coach early on, get him fired, and then have a real coach. I think Gar
2: too, uh, like kind of too stubborn to move off of him. I mean, didn't they just give him a, a huge extension or at least a lengthy extension? I think several weeks after an internal public <laughs> mutiny, they decided to give him an extension. So yes. I, I just can't picture them uh, changing course this quickly. I think you probably see him get fired like next year, but uh i i mean i think they actually have to be kind of a one mind like everyone mm-hmm. playing for each other type of thing to hit this over and i just i don't really think that happens
1: yeah i mean i i should say i don't i don't think i've stated it yet i am going to go over okay and this was Our first disagree this was yeah it is um this was really tough like you said um but this team i mean they were 22 and 0 last year in wins you have to consider that <laughs> laurie markanin <laughs> laurie markanin missed what 30 games wendell carter missed 38 games that's true um We'll see. I, I don't know. It, it's it's super tough. I, it's nine, like jumping up 10 wins over the course of the season without adding a superstar is just a lot of wins for any team, even if, even if on paper you like the roster. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the Cavaliers. Mm. 19 wins last year. Uh, after I believe Dan Gilbert declared that they were going to get the eight seed, they were mm-hmm. not going to bottom out this time mm-hmm. around after LeBron left. Uh, they ended up winning 19 games. And this year, the number sits at 23 and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go under, and I'm not going to lock it in. I'm also not going to stay away from it. I think it's a it's a fine under to hit, if you want. Uh, I do. <laughs> I really would like to know when the Kevin Love trade happens, assuming it does happen. I think that the fit with Portland is just so, so, so perfect that, like, why can't it just happen right now? Uh, the... I'm excited to watch Darius Garland, obviously. You know, Colin Sexton had, like, the weirdest rookie year that I can remember where, like, he just – the scouting report on him just – completely flipped like and he became the exact opposite player of the scouting report where you know he was supposed to be this like aggressive defender who's going to get to the rack a lot and then he just turned into this guy that (laughs) could actually shoot pretty well (laughs) so um i'd like to know who the real colin Sexton is uh darius garland i think is the guy that they should be sort of building around but i feel like colin Sexton probably thinks he had a, a pretty darn good rookie year and he's uh he's the young bull (laughs) he's the young bull um but it's just you're still talking about a rookie point guard and a sophomore point guard slash shooting guard those guys typically just aren't gonna help you win games um you know does tristan thompson even have a place in the league anymore um
1: i don't know it's he it's a... was rebounding at an alarming rate he was he averaged a double double i think he's still okay like I, okay. center weirdly enough center is like my least of my concerns with this team okay sure that's, I, that's fair i agree on all accounts with sexton i still don't think he's actually good um, <laughs> i don't either although you know like I, for a guy who had that defensive reputation like i would i would count on him to get that back at some point you know rather rather than is he just all of a sudden going to zap back to being that player next year where he's a terrible shooter and a great defender like that should come back, right? It was never an effort issue with him.
2: I mean, John Beeline is gonna try to make these guys defend. Yeah. That's for sure. I I think that
1: maybe, this is basically a college team plus yeah, Kevin Love. Maybe he can kind of coax
2: that out of them and and get some stuff going there. I again, I I'm not locking this in, even though I did on my initial pass. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not a very appealing like i love darius garland as much as anyone and i still don't plan right. on watching many Cavs games at all just it's just not an appealing yep. roster but uh there's i could see ways where they barely get over that that line but i think it's it's pretty yeah. obvious under to, to go
1: with i think the the way to talk yourself into it is just the pure talent upgrade of darius garland kevin love giving even if you trade a mid-season he probably plays more games than he did last year when he was out for so long with injury and the fact that they won 19 last year you can just you can kind of say like you know they'll they'll find a way to flip four or five of those results with 10 more games of kevin love i i'm taking the under i i wouldn't say it's a stay away i do feel pretty good about it like you do this, the thing is if you trade kevin love you're not getting another contributing piece back you're trading him let's say it's portland you want you're you know, taking hassan white side white or clearing, and you're like I would oh. bet on Whiteside not even suiting up for the Cavs. You're, that would be a right, Bynum situation. Right, that, right. I, You're getting Simons, who's not going to help you right away. I don't think they're getting Simons.
2: I think they would be lucky to get like Zach Collins in that deal. Uh, but I do not
1: can't. I think you'd rather that. have – Well, that's the thing. Is like One, they don't need a guard like Simons because they have Sexton right. and Garland. Two, yeah, you don't they're need, you don't need Zach Collins. Yeah, they're like, set in the backcourt. They really need a wing. Like, maybe <laughs> – I don't know. Who do you want from Portland? That's the other thing. Maybe it's, it's just draft picks. So I don't know. Maybe they get little. I mean, you
2: most people don't even think Kev Love contract's a – plus contract i wouldn't like say it's a so,
1: plus contract but i don't think it's a negative contract in the same context well, as like cp
2: but i think doing
1: the hassan
2: white side just getting to get off the money right yeah. after this year and then getting a guy like Nas little i don't know what team's beating that off right yeah that's probably why the trade hasn't happened yet it's because portland's like well who the heck are we bidding against and yeah. well they also can't trade white right, side yet right, right, so right. that's also part um, of it
1: but i would i would say what 80 to 85 percent chance kevin love is dealt this year if not higher there's no yeah. excuse to not deal i mean the
2: only way he wouldn't get dealt is if he gets hurt again and they can't trade yeah him. um but He'd i it, i mean is this the worst defensive team
1: in the east yeah i mean garland's not going to give you anything there right
2: no and they're bringing in a defense your, first coach kind your of? best yeah.
1: player is a
2: notably bad defender his entire career right I mean, their best defender is probably Tristan
1: yeah, Thompson. Definitely. Their second best defender is
2: probably like Larry
1: Nance. So. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have four centers that I kind of like Thompson, Nance, Zizich, and even John Henson, who I don't even know if he played for them last year because he had that surgery. Um, I don't know. There's room for them to, to flip a guy or two, but you're not going to get anybody who's, who's really going to make a difference. This is a, a wildly underwhelming team. And I mean, like Charlotte, at least Cleveland, does Cleveland have two pieces who you feel better about than anybody Charlotte has Sexton and Garland? even after we just trash sexton like do you feel better about him than any of the young guys like do you like him better than miles bridges uh
2: i think i like i think i like bridges more than sexton just because i think bridges is at least a wing like sexton is a guard who doesn't play defense and right like so i mean i i think garland is by far my favorite young player on either of those teams i mean i I'm not a PJ Washington guy, but I mm-hmm. think even, even Washington versus Sexton is pretty yeah. close.
1: Last note on Cleveland not that this is really going to affect the bottom line, but you know, with the, the new lottery odds, maybe something to think about. They do owe their first rounder to New Orleans, top 10 protected. So they're going to make sure they can stay in the top 10, which shouldn't be too much to ask. No. I, I think they'll pretty. <laughs> they're, they not gonna, just,
2: they're not going to have to do anything, yeah, just, anything know, sketchy saying. to get hey, there.
1: I'm just saying. They, uh, if they just play this out as is, they'll, they'll probably be <laughs> locked into that top four, I would think. The Detroit Pistons went from one fun team to another. Forty one wins last year. Uh this line drops down to thirty six and a half now for twenty nineteen. Twenty over or under? I'm gonna go over. I think that the Pistons are just that
2: to me they have kind of taken the mantle of those like Herb Cole Bucks teams where it was just between thirty six and forty two wins every single year. You could just lock it in like they were never going to be yeah. bad enough to, to pick high and they were never going to be good enough to get better in like the eight seed I think that that's just exactly where the Pistons find themselves unless they are able to pivot and just completely tear everything down I, I just I don't see a market for a guy like Drummond I don't you know Griffin's contract is big enough that I mean they would have to get pretty creative i don't know which like contending team is like yeah we blake griffin's gonna be hey, portland oh yeah I, i'd rather have griffin than kevin love or portland but um i mean i think he's he's just a much better player than love and i think the pistons you know ownership probably at least it seems like they're fine with just being this team that just tries to win as many games as they can every year and never really comes close to doing mm. anything so uh, i just think 36 and a half it's kind of like a like who's going to bet over on this Pistons team? Let's make it really low. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, I sort of think they're just going to win
1: thirty-eight or thirty-nine games. It does seem a couple ticks too low for a team that didn't really have any major losses, right? Am I forgetting anybody? Well, Stanley Johnson. Well, they they <laughs> lost him last year. I mean, this is <laughs> we've seen we've seen the post Stanley Johnson Pistons, and they look great. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're basically running it back with Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Tony Snell. They bare they they, they, they went a the long.
2: Stretch where Luke Kennard wasn't playing nearly as much yeah. as he should have been, and like then once he started playing, like
1: yeah, he, he was barking at Dwayne Casey. I think he, he, <laughs> he was like in the Casey doghouse for a little bit, and then he ended up being their best player yeah. for parts of that Milwaukee series. Um, I'm going under on 36.5. I know it is a low number, I, I thought it would, you know, 38.5, I think would seem a little more realistic. Um, but Blake Griffin played 75 games last season, and if you look at his previous few years, you know, two seasons ago 58, before that 61 35 67. Um, and he was pretty healthy prior to that. You know, he played, mm. you know, he'd missed a maximum of two games his first four years after that initial uh, knee surgery that kept him out of his rookie year, but 75 games last year was the absolute best case and we saw, you know, what he looked like starting round 1. I mean, he mm. was just he was 60% of himself for that Buck series. Um,
2: That's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, he's still working his way back from arthroscopic knee surgery so right.
1: yeah i mean that's Well, and even if he doesn't get hurt again quote unquote like he's you know they're going to limit him i just can't imagine they play him 75 games at 35 minutes a night like they did last year And and part of that was you know getting into the playoffs and you know they almost blew it but they were two and five in the seven games that he missed if he misses 15 games you know they probably go like three and 12 over that well, span
2: so do you agree that the top seven seeds in the east are pretty much locked in in terms of like Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, Raptors, Pacers, Nets, Heat.
1: So, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, Pacers, Nets, Raptors, Heat. I see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think the Raptors are probably five or six. I think they're going to take a pretty big step back. We'll get to them later. But yeah, I think so. Because
2: I, I, I sort of see it as Detroit and Orlando in a two team race for that eight seed. And so I I kind of think like the Pistons are just going to do everything they can to win games yeah. and um but I think the the Blake Griffin
1: can he play seventy plus
2: games again this year is gigantic because obviously without Blake Griffin this is a horrific team
1: yeah I mean they were a pretty good team for stretches last year when Blake Griffin was looking like you know playing the best all around basketball that we've seen in a while um, but yeah to go back to your original question I I think those seven you could pretty much lock in barring a major injury to any contributor um and i think orlando is still you know a safer pick for that eight spot you know they have they, you know blake griffin's probably the best player between those two teams but orlando doesn't have like these massive injury concerns i think they're deeper all around um and then you have atlanta and chicago as kind of the two teams that if everything breaks right you know maybe they they get to 41 wins and, and are challenging for that eight spot the indiana pacers 48 wins last year. Uh, the number is at 47 and a half. Uh, obviously, Victor Oladipo, his status still kind of up in the air right now. Sounds like maybe December it would, it would be when he would make his debut. Are you going over or under on 47 and a half? Under. I think it just seems like this this is this line
2: is kind of confusing to me. I, I'm not going to lock it in because they do have a lot of talent, uh, especially once Oladipo comes back, but. Uh, I think this is really underrating the losses of uh, Thad Young and and Bojan Bogdanovic like it's uh I know that they got Malcolm Brogdon and Jeremy Lamb but now they're and and TJ Warren but now they're kind of exposed a little bit in that front court and it's they they basically got two centers playing the 4 and the 5 and um you know I, I don't necessarily know if I love how oladipo brogdon lamb and uh you know even holiday i don't i don't know if i love how that all fits and bogdanovich and thad young were just so huge and underrated for them last year and they're just basically expecting them to do the exact same Mm -hmm. thing even knowing that victor oladipo is going to miss time um that's just a that's a big number uh just given their losses given the lack of continuity kind of going into this year I, i think that that's just a little too high
1: if Oladipo was fully healthy i think it would be a perfectly justifiable number um but you look i mean this team how many games did victor Oladipo miss he played 36 games last year so he missed what 46 Mm -hmm. i mean he's probably not missing 46 again but let's say he comes back december 1st so that's a month and a half worth of games that he's already missed probably doesn't start looking like himself until mid-december probably not you know if he ever gets back to peak victor Oladipo which he for what it's worth, did not look like last year. I mean, two years ago, he was markedly better than he Mm -hmm. was in his 36 healthy games uh, last season. You know, I just think, like, best-case scenario, you're getting, like, 41 peak Victor Oladipo games. And, like you said, the lack of continuity, missing two, you know, extremely key underrated pieces to that team, coupled with the fact that it felt like they overachieved last year. You know, I mean, to get to 48 wins after losing Oladipo, you know, they had... An incredible first half you know they, they slid a little bit after the all-star break but at 48 wins based on who that team was rolling out for the final like 35 games of last year um you know even getting west matthews he wasn't that good for them like it, it just didn't really add up and it, it, it seems like everything had to go right for them to get to 48 and coming into the season with an injury you know rather than having it crop up unexpectedly um i'm with you that i thought i thought this total should be maybe a little bit lower whereas the pistons one we thought should maybe be higher I like Malcolm Brogdon. I'm on the record as saying I think the Bucks should have prioritized him over anyone else. And, you know, I understand why they didn't. But we're still yet to see, you know, he's going to have to be the man for like two months for this team. You know, because as good as Jeremy Lamb is as this kind of third or fourth option as a shooting guard, like he's been fine. TJ Warren can score. None of those guys, you know, are really going to be a setup man in the way that Brogdon's going to be. Um, and he's never even averaged 30 minutes a game, you know, in his career. He was fourth on the Bucs in usage rate last year um so i i mean i trust that he can do it I, I think he's a really good player but there's just a lot of unknowns for me to take that over so i'm and, going under
2: yeah and it's not like they just like replaced bogdanovich and thad young with lamb and brogdon like they also lost cory joseph they also lost uh darren collison and i mean there's just there's a lot of guys not on this team that were part of that success yeah, last. the nba year. lost darren collison right
1: jesus gained darren <laughs> sure collison sure did <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I I love Sabonis. Um, I think my, like having Miles Turner as your center gives you kind of a nice floor defensively.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, they have Brian Bowen too. Never mind, I'm going over. <laughs> yeah, this is a, they're going to be a fun team. I mean, I I do think like people initially kind of freaked out on free agency night on July first, like where they got Brogdon, they got Lamb, and they you know they had gotten Warren a week earlier. Like I think people kind of viewed them as like the East version of the Jazz. (laughs) And then you start looking at the roster and it's like, I don't know. I think
2: it's like a forty four win team, which is fine. Like you'll make the will make the playoffs. Like
1: it's just if Victor oladipo comes back and is great, maybe they hit the over. But that that's just a lot a lot of ifs I think for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, skipping down to the Miami Heat. Uh thirty nine wins last year, about as expected. And that number now with Jimmy Butler in the fold jumps to forty two and a half all right
2: uh i'm gonna lock in the over on forty two and a half
1: whoa yeah, why is that
2: <laughs> uh well, first of all, I think Hassan Whiteside is addition by subtraction um I think that that's just a piece that they probably internally had just been wanting to get rid of for almost ever since they gave him that huge extension a very unheat like contract to hand out <laughs> and uh, i think just not having him will make everyone happier when they go to work and then i think jimmy i just think this is a great cast of characters for jimmy butler to be like the lead dog with and like there's zero questioning that this is jimmy butler's team And he's going to drag this team to 45, 46 wins, and he's just going to be so excited about it. I think it's – yeah, Eric Spolster is still one of the best coaches in the league. I think the – like Dragic and and Hero and uh, Winslow and Adebayo, like I I think those guys are going to be really nice fits around Butler. I think that they are going to defend even though they don't necessarily have – the classic personnel to have a top 10 defense i think they might still get there just based on effort and and scheme Mm -hmm. and everything so um i think that this is just kind of a a a bright new day for this this miami heat franchise and uh i think like i i think there's gonna be like some jimmy butler mvp chatter and like the like i think he's just gonna have not like like in the same way that there was like um Okay, so like remember in December, January, there was like a lot of hey, like Paul George should maybe be in the MVP discussion. And I think that was like February,
1: March, yeah. Well, but
2: then like February March, he like really was like, I'm in the MVP yeah. conversation. Like I think it's gonna mm. be kind of that light, like he's not gonna win MVP, but he should be in the discussion, okay. like kind of like the down ballot type of guy, uh okay. where everyone's just like, Whoa, like Jimmy Butler, like if we if we underrated Jimmy Butler, like I think there's gonna be a lot of that going on. Uh bam out of bios just so awesome. I'm really excited for to see what he can do with without Hassan Whiteside there anymore. And, yeah, this is just kind of a Eastern Conference, Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, like decent supporting cast. I, I think that there's a mid-40s win uh, team in there pretty easily, unless he misses a bunch of
1: time. Okay, I got to hand it to you. That was a pretty solid sell job. I <laughs> I have the under, and it's too late to change it, so I have to stick <laughs> with it. But I did not expect you to ascend to the pulpit of Jimmy Butler and, and give that speech. But I, <laughs> I will agree with you that this is clearly his team. And I think that's an important uh, standard for someone like him who's not a top 10 player. So, you know, in the current NBA, it's almost difficult for him not to be the best player or, or to be the best player on his team, I guess is what I mean to say. Like he was in Philly. And obviously that right. caused problems. I just don't know if Jimmy Butler's that good. Like if he's your best player... And he's clearly your best player, does that get you to 45 wins? I I have my doubts. I I think if he stays healthy and plays 79 games at 35 a night and you know is looking like the Jimmy Butler, you know, kind of from the end of the Chicago days, very much in play. I think him, I mean him and the the Heat have been on like a collision course for several years now as like an organization uh versus a player philosophy. Like they're, they're it's just a perfect a great match. fit. It yeah. is.
2: And and like I think the it's sort of the opposite of what he found in Minnesota where oh, yeah. it's just none of those players around him were ready for to play like Miami heat style basketball mm-hmm. and to defer to him. Obviously not. Cause like Carl H towns was better than him, but like this is a team that's just tailor made mm-hmm. for Jimmy, Jimmy Butler to be the, the lead singer. Yes. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, yeah. And the fact that he does it on both ends, you know, I think is especially important for what the heat are about. Um, yeah, I I think I think they're going to be good. I I think they'll be a 41-42 win team. I mean, they've been in that like 38 to 44 range essentially every year since LeBron left. I think retaining Goran Dragić, not giving him up in I think it was going to be a trade with Dallas, right? It was some some sort of three-team deal. I think maybe in order to get Butler initially, it was rumored yeah. that Dragić was involved, but keeping him, I think, is big. He's he hasn't been healthy in like 2 years, but, you know, when he's healthy, he's still really good. I'm a little skeptical about and I have this in my notes as kind of the the key reason I swung under the loss of Josh Richardson, I think yeah. is a pretty big deal. I know he didn't shoot the ball all that well last year, but he was probably asked to do a little too much, you know, as a, as a creator, not really who he is. Um, obviously you're replacing him with a guy like Butler, who's just kind of like a supercharged version of Josh Richardson. So maybe that's the argument, uh, but we're looking at, you know, the shooting guard spot right now is either Tyler hero or Dion waiters. And as much as I like hero, he looked great in summer league you know, is he really going to be able to step in and give you like twenty-eight really good minutes every single night? I have my doubts. We already know Deion Waiters can't do that, um, and if it's not those two, yeah, then you start getting into some some pretty unappealing options. So their 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 depth in the backcourt is a little bit of an issue for me.
2: Yeah, no, I think that that's it's all very valid. Um, I think Justice Winslow's ability to kind of play one through four on offense is is valuable in yes. that sense. He's their um, backup point guard, I think. Right. I mean, they they won thirty nine games last year, and so the like lo- you're losing Josh Richardson and Hassan Whiteside, and you're gaining Jimmy Butler. I mean, to me, that's that's at least a four win mm-hmm. uh, upgrade there. I mean, Josh Richardson, I love Josh Richardson. He's just he's a secondary yeah. piece. Like, he's asking him to lead your offense. Like, that's going to get you into trouble, especially late in in close games. Where I think Jimmy Butler's uh, great at that role. Mm-hmm. And this my my sort of theory with him going to the heat is that he sort of saw what happened with Kawhi Leonard in Toronto and sort of thinks of himself as basically just as good as Kawhi Leonard. A better it's version like, of Kawhi. Like I need my own Toronto yeah. Raptors. Like I need to, a team that I can lead to to win the NBA finals and this is this is my spot. Yeah. So I, I I'm just excited to see how it goes down. Um you know, maybe they trade for Chris Paul in season. Who knows? But uh,
1: they'll make a run for it. I think. To your point, too. Goran Dragic played 36 games last year, and even Justice Winslow missed 16 games. Yeah. So assuming this that is that that doesn't kind of like
2: again. a uh, like with with Spolstra, especially in the East. I would say this about Rick Carlisle, but in the West, it's kind of tough to to mm-hmm. say this. But like with just Eric Spolstra and just some competency on the roster i think you sort of have a yep. floor in the high 30s and so yeah i this is not a team that i think is going to win a first round series i think they might provide an entertaining first round series but i just think this is a team where uh they're going to out compete and outwork people
1: most nights in the regular season over under two and a half times jimmy butler jumps up on the scores table after a game this year you say two and a half two and a half Ooh, that's a good number i don't know I've thoroughly researched this. Uh, man. I'll say
2: over if you can include playoffs. I think if yeah, they I think every playoff I win I think every playoff win he's going up there.
1: It's gonna be a really fun <laughs> year just for that kind of stuff. Like his yeah. his Instagram is going Great. to be a must follow. Uh Milwaukee Bucks. Sixty wins last year. Uh the number drops down to fifty six and a half this year. Are you going over or under on that?
2: I'm gonna lock in the over. I just don't really see how this team could take a step back just given what happened in the offseason. I know they lost Brogdon, but they also um, they gained Wes Matthews, Kyle Corver, George Hill. Uh, they had they're gonna get a better year this year out of guys like Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson. Uh, they you know, shored up their they didn't need Robin Lopez at all. Like I don't know what purpose he really serves on this team, but I'm I'm assuming they sort of stagger Insurance. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming they basically treat Giannis and Brooke as sort of a package deal in the lineup mm. and when those two go off you see Robin Lopez go in to be their one non shooter in those Those like I I don't I don't see Robin Lopez and Giannis like ever playing together basically. Well, they shouldn't, but I mean,
1: just having a traditional center who's pretty solid on the roster, I'm not opposed to it. Right. Uh,
2: You know, I I just think that this is a finely oiled machine that in the the regular season, I mean, there's just it's kind of a (laughs) an an unstoppable force where they're just going to kind of cruise to this over as long as Giannis stays healthy, and I think he's clearly got another couple steps to make as a player I think I honestly think people are underrating guys like Pat Connington uh and Dante DiVincenzo on this roster as guys that can um you know just make up for with all these pieces kind of cobbled together and like Sterling Brown in there too like I, I don't think they're gonna miss Malcolm Brogdon that much until the playoffs I think that that's really the only time where I can see that being uh a loss that they're really going to feel i just think there's too much depth there's too much shooting uh, around Giannis for them to not hit that over
1: i'm also going over um i I don't know that they get to 60 again but i think they they clear that 57 mark you know maybe 58 59 um there is the argument that maybe there's some complacency you know like things can't possibly go as well as they did last year almost you know and like it what it it took them until i'm gonna say mid-march to lose back-to-back games i wouldn't bank on that happening again Um, you know, and then they went the rest of the year without losing back to back games. It reminds me a little bit of that the first year that LeBron, you know, kind of went to that next level, I want what, oh seven maybe. They won sixty six, got to the Eastern Conference Finals, lost to Boston, came back the next year, won sixty one games. You know, weren't weren't quite as dominant in terms of wins and losses, but we're essentially the same team, cruised through the regular season. I think it's just hard to you know, to kind of pace that same way again, you know, not this team could certainly win if Giannis doesn't, you know, I mean, he missed 10 games last year. If he doesn't miss, if he only misses four or five, you know, it wouldn't shock me if the Bucks went 63 and 19, like that's certainly in the cards. But I just, I think the way that the NBA is going, you know, a lot of the best teams, you don't see them overexert themselves in the regular season. And, you know, you look at the games played last year, 77 for Middleton, 78 for Bledsoe, 81 for Lopez, you know i would take the under on all those just by default because that's so many games in a league that continues to prioritize rest that i think the bucks can very comfortably be the one or the two seed even if they only win 57 games as opposed to 62
2: no i think that's right i mean the only guy that really moves the needle for me in terms of could they not hit this over is just Giannis missing x number of games like if Giannis misses 15 to 20 games like i think that the under become comes into play then but like Mm -hmm. they could i think they could just they could lose eric bledsoe for like three weeks and not skip a beat they could that would help that would make them hit the over i I honestly think they could be without chris middleton for three weeks and not skip a beat like i just think the depth that they've because all you want around Giannis are just scheme shooters that can like handle your defensive scheme and can shoot and they have four
1: guys at every Mm -hmm. position that that fit that bill so getting corver was so huge i mean it looked for a while like it might be jr which would have been (laughs) unbelievably fun then the under comes that would have been so much fun but (laughs) i mean kyle corver is a superior option i mean i am a little worried you know the fact that he basically couldn't play for utah last year because he was just such a liability i don't think he'll
2: be able to really play for this team in the playoffs i i think it's i you know it's a regular season edition like it's they're just going to Beat teams by like thirty and twenty five so often that they'll just be a a cloud of dust. Like Kyle Korver comes in, hits three threes, goes to the bench, and like all of a sudden the game's over. Like his defensive deficiencies weren't even noticed that night.
1: I I do think that they're going to miss Malcolm Brogdon. I I think it's just tough to replace a guy who was your backup point guard and also your most efficient non Giannis scorer. Um, Yeah, it's just you just can't replace somebody like that. And I understand why they you know why they can't money wise. I do think they have to add another ball handler at some point. I mean, right now it's just Bledsoe and Hill. Those are the only real point guards on the roster. You have, you know, Frank Mason. I think is in their G League program. I mean, Giannis. Um, and yeah, obviously you have Giannis. But you know, if if Bledsoe or Hill goes down at any point, I think you still want another guy. I mean, last year that was Tim Frazier. So I'm not talking like they have to go add Chris mm-hmm. Paul. Um, although I think it was Bill Simmons was pushing for that on one of his I think was, most recent pods. I think it was Kevin O'Connor. I, how, I, how do you feel about that?
2: I really don't like it because I think. That adding Chris Paul, I don't think, makes Giannis more likely to stay. I actually think it makes him more likely to leave. Like, we've seen Chris Paul just clash with every good player he's played with in recent memory, and, like, the last thing you want to do is bring in a guy that could make Giannis be like, oh, man, I don't like this guy. How much, how much longer is he under contract? Oh, yeah. uh, I got to get out of here. Like I'd, I mean, how do you like it from a basketball fit? Uh, Well, I think – on paper it's great i just think personality wise like i don't think chris paul would fit on this team at all no. like it's just not this team just likes to have fun like chris paul is not right. about having fun chris paul is about doing it the right way
1: Oh, and even the older players on this team you know brooke lopez who's going to be 31 i don't I don't think he seems like a chris paul guy no. he seems closer <laughs> yeah. in personality he's goofy he's he just guys. like right. messing around yeah the only guy who would like <laughs> remotely connect with him would be like maybe george hill Maybe Maybe Corber, maybe Matthews. Corber, yeah, maybe Matthews. yeah. and even then, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think it would be worth it, not to mention any of the monetary stuff, which is probably the biggest impetus to a deal like that happening. Um, the New York Knicks, 17 wins last season. My God, this line is at 29 and a half. So I wrote down comments for all of these, just for my notes.
2: Good. And my comment for, for the Knicks was just,
1: L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L. So is that five LOLs, six LOLs? Yes.
2: 29 and a half? This is an outrageous
1: line for a team that that very well might start Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox, and R.J. Barrett together. To me, this is
2: the best bet on the board, Uh, the under, I think this is like the third straight year that we've said (laughs) this, I mean, the Knicks Knicks historically, basically, you would almost have to go back to those... uh, I think they might have hit the over, like that one, like magical year with Jason Kidd and Carmelo and everything. But like, you'd have to probably go back to those mid <laughs> nineties. is calling that a magical year. That <laughs> it year was by the second by round by their <laughs>
1: standards. That was a really magical year. Got but, absolutely smoked around <laughs> too, Yeah,
2: but like, you'd probably have to go back to the mid nineties to when there was any sort of variance on whether or not they hit the under. Like, it's been extremely consistent because Knicks fans. I I don't follow as t- a ton of nba people on twitter but like some of the baseball people i follow are knicks fans and like they like to talk about the knicks and some of them are already talking themselves into this being a a good knicks team oh. like knicks team knicks fans do this every single year where it's like <laughs> well like x y and z like we could you know this could break weight i actually kind of like that deal for for randall like all this stuff like i mean it's just it's such a crazy number like that if that number was at 23-and-a-half like where the Cavs and the Hornets ones are. I think that that would make some sense. Like
1: Their over-under last year was 28-and-a-half, and they finished with 17 wins. Okay, so... So there's this this team is apparently one win better.
2: Name me the players on this roster who will positively impact winning. Mitchell Robinson. I'm done. I was going to say, like, maybe Marcus Morris and <laughs> maybe Telford Gibson. Yeah. Like maybe... If if yeah, you like get Rod like a, if Michigan. you get like a perfect Reggie Bullock or Wayne Ellington year maybe like
1: a magical year
2: but like the, the guys that are they' that are going to be getting the most opportunities with the ball in their hands are Dennis Smith R J Barrett Alfred Payton Kevin Knox Julius Randle Bobby Portis like, who the, always
1: manages like a twenty five percent usage rate
2: Alonzo Trier like these guys are all just such major major negatives these like, are the guys
1: <laughs> that led you. <laughs> to 17 wins last year and then you added like bobby portis and julius randall are on the first team good stats bad team already they're both young and they've already proven that and, <laughs> and your your three biggest free agency signings randall portis and gibson all play the same position and they all can play center to overlap with the one like really good young player that you have who you only played for 20 minutes a game last year
2: whatever you think the best Case scenario for RJ Barrett's rookie season is if you told me that that best case scenario was going to happen, I would still take the under. Like, it's just there's no way that RJ Barrett and Dennis Smith
1: are leading a team to 30 wins. There's just no way. Is there there's a worse no player to pair with RJ Barrett than Dennis <laughs> Smith or Kevin Knox? Either one. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Knox had a worse summer Kevin, league this year than he did. Kevin in, Knox as a rookie was the worst player in the league last year, and yeah. he's going to get all kinds of opportunities on this team marcus <laughs> morris who, I, that's a, this should be its own separate like this could be a serial thing of like why marcus morris went way out of his way including turning down money you know angering an entire franchise firing his agent to be the backup forward for this team
2: it's honestly i think the most interesting like non-superstar related story the entire offseason because yeah. i think it just is such a big blow to what the spurs were like i I kind of thought that Spurs team was going to win 50 games if that Still trade by. hadn't happened. And, like, I was – we we're, were going to probably talk about them a little bit on next week's podcast, but, like, Davis Bertans is, like, a good player that they just gave up just to get Marcus Morrison, and he backs out. Like, I, I can't remember anything happening like this, like, so – where it was just so clear to the public what transpired, like, in terms of a guy backing out or his agent backing out and – yeah, like, it seemed like they backed out because Rich Paul wanted to sort of save face and say, like, hey, I still got my guy 15 mil a year. So, like, Marcus Morris lets him do that and then fires him. Like, why not just fire him before he can make that official? Like, don't you have that power to, like, say yes or no to that I don't Knicks know. signing? Like, it's just bizarre.
1: Uh, I mean, if you really do want to delve into that, there was a story on The Athletic from <laughs> Champs <laughs> yesterday that – it's in Marcus Morris's words, so believe what you want. He he says that he has so much respect for Pop, R.C., Brian Wright. There's no shade, no disrespect. I had great conversations afterward with the Spurs. So apparently it's all good now after right. they completely <laughs> structured their offseason basically around this. Uh, but we're in unanimous agreement way under on the Knicks. Yes,
2: I, I would strongly, strongly recommend
1: going on to FanDuel
2: right now and, and placing a... A heavy heavy bet Mm -hmm. on the under and just basically
1: whatever you have in your bank account i would i would recommend letting it ride on that under yes use promo code millage (laughs) to get a free deposit the orlando magic 42 wins last year um 40 and a half this year this this feels a little detroit-y where (laughs) i'm not really sure why they're you know why you would think they would win fewer games although in this case it's just one fewer uh over under 40 and a half over i think it's it's
2: very very Detroity, and i think it's sort of a this is just such an unsexy team that there's no way we're going to be able to get people to bet the the over unless we i didn't make think the this line. deep about like, like the psychological <laughs> ramifications of these well like yeah i mean like everyone for people that don't know i mean the whole job of a casino is to get equal action on the over and mm-hmm. the under and then you make your money off of the the vig and uh you know, if, if you put this at 41 or 42, like who are the people that are coming in and betting the over on that? Like nobody. So um, this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh Steve Clifford, I think, is just maybe about as good as they come at getting a mediocre team into the bottom of the East playoffs. Yeah. He's done it time and time
1: again. I think he'll do, do it Proving again this commodity. year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you said people who's going to bet this over. I mean, people were buzzing. When I mean, we were in Vegas a couple weeks ago, Just so many people were coming up. You pound that, that magic <laughs> over yet? Did you get Did you get a chance to bet it? <laughs> God, yeah, I got it when it was at 39 and a half. No, it's the same team as last year. They're going on. This is getting almost into Suns territory where <laughs> they've openly needed a point guard for so long. And yet again, it looks like it's going to be DJ Augustine. They brought back MCW for another tour. Um, Markel Fultz, according to Karan Butler, Markel Fultz is going to open the season as a starter. So read into that what you will. I believe they do share an agent or there's, there's some... Uh, connection there where Karan Butler gets these does, full scoops
2: does he officially work for ESPN what Karan is, Butler what is he who's he's affiliated with does he work for he worked for, he for himself. <laughs> yeah very, very
1: possible <laughs> I don't think he works for ESPN I think he he has done some sideline work okay. uh, he was part of the players only this year which I believe is TNT I don't know all I know is that Karan Butler has said this so put put stock into that as you want uh, but they brought back Terrence Ross um, they brought in I mean the, the big offseason addition I guess was Alfa Farouk who i like quite a bit but two of your best young players are also power forwards and you know aminu and you know all three of those guys gordon isaac aminu mm-hmm. can kind of play both but it just felt like there was a very obvious need at point guard and for some reason they spent the money that they should have spent on say thomas sadaransky um they directed that towards Alfred aminu
2: i would just love like tyus jones to be on this team sure. or something like that anyone um who's even who do he play for these days Why well, ah, grizzlies i actually like tyce jones more than i like terry Rozier, a 60 million dollar okay, well, man whatever you <laughs> um, would say
1: who where would you draw the line with tyce jones <laughs> tyce jones uh, or russell westbrook steph curry <laughs> <laughs> um
2: yeah no i mean i think it's just Vucevic. like it's it's kind of like the blake griffin thing except like Vucevic is healthy and doesn't have a track record of missing a ton of time and, and actually has a better supporting cast around him and a better coach so it's just like I know there's nothing fun about this Magic team but they should Obama. be the, they should be the favorites to get the 8 seed in the in the
1: East. Did they win their division last year? I know nobody cares about divisions, but I think I think they did. Oh yeah, they cleared it by three games. Yeah, they're, they're best, a division uh, winner, and defending champs. Yeah, of the, the Southeast the Division Southeast goes through Orlando. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm also going over on this. Best, yeah, Yeah. I mean, my only note was just the point guard thing. I I think they're they're on a collision course. I would be shocked if they don't finish between 38 and 42 wins.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's yeah 39 and 43 mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, they're gonna. They're
1: gonna play the bucks in the first round is what yeah. I would expect to have happen and pencil that in right now three more to get to two of them are are fun one of them's the wizards uh we'll start with the sixers fifty one wins last year this line now set at fifty three and a half
2: so I think this is an incredibly dangerous playoff team but I'm gonna take the under on fifty three and a half in the regular season it's a stay away for me but I think you know if there was any team really that should be focused on postseason over regular season and just kind of making sure everyone's healthy and everyone's like ready to go for some some long playoff series. I think it should be the Sixers. I I assume they know that and they'll manage people's minutes, most notably Joel Embiid, accordingly. But um, you know, this is still a not a deep team at all. Uh, their top five guys is just ridiculous like it's just an insane starting five but you know they're gonna someone's gonna get hurt at some point they're gonna have to go without one of these guys for you know a few weeks at a time and I would hope that they're just giving Joel I, like Kawhi Leonard missed 22 games last year mostly just you know planned rest days like Joel Embiid should get at least a 22 planned rest days this year I think if I mean if he missed doing. 18 last year yeah so
1: I, I just feel like how many more can he miss where it's reasonable like it felt like he missed a lot of games last year are they really going to go out of their way to let him play like 55 games I mean that's a lot of missed games
2: well I mean they won 51 last year they had Jimmy Butler for most of the year they had Tobias Harris for a little bit of the year they had JJ Redick like I mean it's not like they didn't lose anyone I know the roster is like loaded this year but I mean they still lost key guys they had Landry Shamit for like half the year I mean, yeah
1: I, I think though like it's it's kind of a, a net positive overall you know, like you lost Jimmy Butler. But I you think were... they're more dangerous in the playoffs. Yeah. but I oh, just, for sure. I just,
2: I, I can't see this team just dominating over a regular season given the complete lack of depth they have. Yeah. I don't know. It, I agree.
1: It's a stay away from me. I, it sounds like you're going over. I am um, going to go over. I thought this line was a few games too low. I, I would have considered the over at like 55 and a half. You know, I mean, I think this is a really, really good team.
2: I do too. I just, I, I think you have to. You know They won 51 games last year mostly because they, of how much time Joel Embiid missed. I think you have to assume that
1: he misses that much time again. And
2: what if he misses 40 games?
1: You I think know? they're a better like, team this year. And I think if he misses the same amount of time, which is – I mean, 18 games is a lot of games. If he misses 18 games and everything else plays out as normal with this roster relative to last year's, I think I think they get to 55. I just don't think they okay. – like They had maybe more overall talent and maybe slightly more depth, although they were not very deep last year um this sounds like our ago. first like yes. real real disagreement. i think so yeah. yeah the other ones i didn't really care about yeah. this one I, I i'm very passionate about okay. the 76ers okay. over this team is winning 54 games wow. um i just think they're good i mean they if even and now this year they actually have the replacement part of the reason they were bad when Embiid was out is because it was boban it was amir johnson was it no was it amir last year or was that two years ago it was somebody they didn't um. they really did not have anyone remotely close um you know, remotely close. Jonah Bolden—that's who I was thinking of. Remotely close to what Joel Embiid could provide, and you have, you know, arguably the second best defensive center in the East now, backing up the best defensive center in the East. So I, I think there's, well, okay, there's just such a high floor. For so they
2: teams. have they have a good backup center, but he's going to be their starting power forward. Yes, and then who are their backup? What happens if Ben Simmons or Josh Richardson get hurt? Ben Simmons doesn't get hurt. Okay. Ben Simmons doesn't get hurt. Except what if, for when he missed all of his rookie year. Like, I mean, their backup <laughs> shooting guard is Zaire Smith and Matisse Thiebel. Yeah. Their backup point guard is like Shake Milton. But that's Hall basically Neto. what it was last year. I know. I'm just like, they, it's not like this is a they team that Scott. won
1: 56 games last year. This team won 51. Games I just think last it was year. a terrible fit. And they, like, they, like, <clears throat> scrapped their way to 51 wins while, you know, dealing with Jimmy Butler, while dealing with Embiid being in and out, while dealing with Ben Simmons, you know, I wouldn't say trade rumors, but. I, i almost view I,
2: like i almost view uh the amount of games joel Embiid played last year as like like you should if you're a sixers fan or you draft joel Embiid in fantasy like you should hope that he plays that many games like he's just he's just not a guy that you should ever be like well what if he plays 70 games what if yeah. he plays 75 well, games he's like, not gonna
1: i'm not expecting him to play 75 games i just don't think he's gonna miss that many more than he missed last year like then you start getting into he's gonna miss half the season i think he could miss half the season and then there's no chance of them hitting that yeah. over okay i will say i am and this is a point you brought up with a couple of teams i am a little concerned with the the rest thing you know especially a team like philly a team like milwaukee we've seen it with you know houston even a team like the lakers like these teams that know that have guys that don't care about anything but the postseason i you know and and the nba has obviously tried to curb this in recent years and it has not worked whatsoever <laughs> i think like if anything there was more rest last year right they're just they just don't call it rest right um I I think we could see it with Houston, too.
2: I do want to say, like, if this Sixers team is healthy, I could easily see myself picking them to beat the Bucs in the playoffs, and I think the Bucs are going to win 60 games again. So, like, it's not that I don't think this team is awesome. I just – I'm coming at it from a slightly different spot in terms of how I see Mm -hmm. them approaching the regular season. Yeah,
1: I guess I try to look at these from a slightly more idealistic perspective. Not like like every player has their best season ever, but more like let's just assume – you know kind of the same average injury concerns rush concerns for i'm just team. looking
2: at it like if i was betting this yeah right what which I'd is probably it. what people it, want from this i would <laughs> think
1: uh okay two more toronto raptors 58 wins last year no Kawhi, of course and that number falls now to 46 and a half
2: i am taking the over and i'm gonna go under yeah I, I knew you would um I mean, if you had asked me, frauds. of these fifteen, <laughs> of these fifteen Eastern Conference teams, lock one pick in that you, you know I'm going to make, and I would have been like, yep, really? Well, Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Well, make your case, please. I'm interested to hear this. All right. So, um, well, first of all, they won 58 games last year, and Kawhi Leonard missed 22 of those of their games. So, like, they they clearly are a really good team in my mind without Kawhi Leonard. Like, they were one of the best teams in the east even games where he didn't play um they have depth at every position uh not ideal depth necessarily in, in terms of guys like patrick mccaw and stanley johnson like i don't you know, Ronde house jefferson um but i think you know gasol ibaka siakam uh lowry van vliet like og norman powell like that's a that's seven eight guys like that's I trust all those guys in the regular season and they're going to have another awesome defense. Uh, I'm a huge believer in Pascal Siakam, like not just being this sort of fluky role player that that was really good next to Kawhi. Like, I think he's going to be an all-star this year. Um, I think, you know, one of OG, uh, slash like Norm Powell, uh, takes a step forward. I mean, they're, their front court depth is just really impressive I think um, Fred Van Vliet and and Kyle Lowry I mean who can who can kind of match that uh, point guard depth chart Um, I just I think it's a really good regular season team they're probably going to get bounced in the first round but um, they just have enough depth where I think that they're going to be really
1: well coached and uh, really defend every single night Okay, so <clears throat> I looked up the twenty-two games while you were while you were talking that Kawhi Leonard missed. They went seventeen and five without Kawhi. That's pretty compelling. I will give you that. Um, at the same time, Marcus Paul is not getting any better. Kyle Lowry is not getting any better. <laughs> I don't really see it. You know, like Norm, Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet, and and I guess OG didn't really play for most of the playoffs. But Powell and Van VanVleet especially had you know it, they can't play any better than they played for for most of that run, and. I just I look at the depth chart right now. I mean, I'm a Lowry hater, you know that. But I'll admit he's probably you know he'll be right there for another All Star game. I will
2: say I'm fully expecting Kyle Lowry to come into
1: camp a little out of shape. That was going to be my next point is that if there was ever if there was ever like a scenario for a huge championship hangover, this might not be quite like Deshaun Stevenson 2011 type
2: of championship hangover, but
1: like (laughs) Deshaun Stevenson is just getting over that. Uh, But no, I mean like this team. Like Kyle Lowry especially finally climbed the mountain, finally won it. You lose your best player, by far your best player. The only reason you were ever there in the first place, how do you possibly like get it together, regroup to go back into this season knowing you have no chance to win the title?
2: Well, in theory, like, what that's, are they that's do? your like, motivation right there. Is that everyone says like the only reason like you guys did they anything know it, is quiet? Like, <laughs> have you like did you but, see any like, of this stuff? Like they you're know still him. teams don't just like show up the year after like losing their best player just all like quit like i mean they're all professionals they're all the to Cavs get... <laughs> last year
1: no wow. i'm not saying they're gonna quit i'm just saying whatever you know the, the insane motivation that someone like kyle lowry has after bowing out mm-hmm. year after year getting beat by lebron finally having things go your way like how do you possibly muster up that same motivation he's a pro man a guy who already is like out of shape i just don't see how i, I don't know i mean i think they'll still be a playoff team i think they're like the fifth or sixth best team now i think i think they're gonna fall off quite a bit there's they could very well start norman powell and og Ananobi, who i think they're the fourth just aren't best. that good
2: i think they're the fourth best team i think they're better in the pacers i think they're better in the nets and i i don't think they're think, better than i the
1: think nets. they're barely better in the heat but <laughs> i think Mar- i think marcus is not that good anymore that's part of this too
2: uh great, great i player. disagree especially in like a regular season type of type of setting i mean he was he was pretty ridiculous for the Grizzlies in like the first like 30 or so games last year and like that obviously he fell off and and part part of that was just I mean the team was just sucking and like he yeah. uh, kind of lost his motivation but like I I expect him to be in camp and like you know I mean he he is capable of being one of the top like five or six centers in the league like at least for stretches and you know Baca's his backup like I mean is that yeah is that the worst thing in the world like I, I think that they uh still can even without Kawhi like I think Kawhi's defense on a, a team level can sometimes get overrated like that that was a historically good defense last year yeah. and they bring back all pieces except for one and you know I just I there aren't going to be many teams that are going to want to see this team in the regular season, just on the defensive end. And I think Pascal Siakam's a guy who's gotten better every single year.
1: That's not a guy that's going to come into camp and just be like, I don't have
2: anything to prove, you know, not worried
1: about Siakam. I will say that if Siakam does take that next step, which I'm still not quite sure what that looks like. You know, because like, you can't. He can't just turn into Kawhi and all of a sudden he's handling the ball, constant spin moves. Right? Yeah. It's like (laughs) how how many are you just? Is your offense (laughs) just predicated on like these fake fast breaks just to get him in transition? Like, I just don't know. I don't know what like a dominant Pascal Siakam season looks like. I
2: think he can. I assume he's spending like a ton of this offseason just trying to get better as a shooter. I mean, he was he was okay from the corners last year, but uh, if he can just get more efficient as a as a three-point shooter and like he doesn't he's not the type of guy where i think you're running a ton of plays for him but he's also the type of guy that is just a walking mismatch where he's going to be able to post up on smaller players and he's faster than than bigger players so Mm -hmm. um, i mean a lot of this does sort of hinge like og and is an incredibly important part of this team and like they need him to be like a competent uh rotation player at the very least and he hasn't proven that he can be that over an 82 game season so I think that like if if they have major regression out of say both of Norman Powell and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi like is once again kind of leaving us wanting more Then, sure they could they could totally hit that under in a big way but um I, I just think that this is a team that was a very uh well pieced together roster even without Kawhi yeah. Leonard
1: last year so i I don't know. Right, it, I just think it's too it's too big of a piece. It's the like, type this is of the guy that a lot of people think is the best player in the league. But it's also the type of bet in like Vegas
2: where like most people or like I would bet a, a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh yeah, well they lost Kawhi, like definitely going to take under." Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I, I mean at, at the same time 11 wins, you know, decreasing by 11 wins is a lot. Yeah. For a team that is. like you said brings back that many guys. I and, mean, I would it, feel a lot better about it if it was like 49 and a half right i mean
2: it i didn't think very
1: much about it to be honest at
2: 46 mm-hmm. and a half if it was 49 and a half i would have got, probably taken the under but all
1: right fair enough let's finish out on a high note the washington wizards 32 <laughs> wins last year this number is set at 27 and a half you're going to go under <clears throat> but it's a stay away from me because
2: i just have no clue what this front office is planning to do with Bradley Beal because they're just making it nothing they're doing makes any sense to me right now like their their draft was pretty terrible they uh um, I gotta say Rui looked much
1: better than I expected at summer league
2: yeah I mean I, I don't mind Rui I just think they took him in a weird spot yeah. well, they um, lost to White Howard <laughs> it's just the quotes coming out of there of like we you know we view Brad Beal as like a
1: big part of our future like why would we yeah. trade him like i I mean, he's not a party. they future. basically like backhandedly acknowledged that they were in a huge mess, and like you don't, you usually don't see a team say that in like a in like a <laughs> written statement. Like they were basically like, yeah, we need to prove to him why you should do this.
2: So, so like, if you just told me Brad Beal was going to be there all year, I look at that twenty-seven and a half, and I realize that the uh, Kemba Walker Charlotte Hornets won thirty-nine games last year. So I would say. If Brad Beal's there all year, like he's probably good enough to get this team into the low
1: thirties. That's fair. But and he was last year. I mean, they were a thirty-two yeah. win team last year. And if
2: you look at like their the stretch, basically uh, in between when they completely started tanking and uh, when John Wall got hurt, okay, I'm like trying to, there's, trying to pinpoint that here. <laughs> like when John Wall gets hurt and like they go on that run where Brad Beal's like the clear guy. They were basically a, a 500 team for that mm-hmm. stretch until
1: they started just starting yeah. Bradley well, Beal. Right, just and then before the All Star break, it got pretty bad. But yeah. yeah, you are right. There was like a 12 game stretch where they were very competitive.
2: And so I think that there's there's a way where you just build around Bradley Beal and like, it doesn't really matter who they are. You're like, you can get to 31 wins in the East. But it's just, it's so obvious that they need to trade him as soon as mm-hmm. possible that I'm not confident in him being there. Um, I just think all it season. makes
1: it would make no sense for him to resign there and I feel like he knows it. I think he has until the end of August, I want to say, to sign that extension which they're going to offer him. Mm-hmm. And even that doesn't make sense because if he makes all NBA next year, he, he he's eligible for the Supermax. So you would think a guy who's already been paid once, you know, I mean, not that he's you know doesn't want 111 million or whatever the offer would be. I think I think it's 3 for 111 the chance at one being traded and two the Supermax you know even if you stay there it just it, to, to, like that commitment makes no sense to me at all why yeah. he would commit to that it's, early
2: it's kind of if he was just a little bit better i know he would definitely be like just get me out of here like, right. i need to go somewhere else but he is kind of in that sweet spot of like where the super max is kind of right. appealing
1: where am i really gonna get this from anyone else like i, I don't know i just I, I just think that the way things are going in terms of Players talking and yeah, just it, just players in general. Whether whether you you don't need an agent in your ear. Just I mean, Bradley Beal. The way that these things are publicized now, like he knows which teams could po- could probably feasibly trade for him. Right. Um, it's not. It's in vogue at all to sign any sort of extension with like any team you're with. If so. he did that, what news story would be like? Great job, Brad Beal. It would be what are you doing? Yeah, why are you like, doing this? Why are you so dumb? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and again, like. He could sign that extension and then be traded you know demand a trade at some point, but that would why not just get that out of the way now? I guess I mm. think that would just cause you more trouble in the long term um I think this team the most likely scenario is they start like four and fifteen, and the talks that we're having right now just continue to heat up and continue to heat up, and then sometime in January or February he's gone, and this team just completely falls off a cliff and you know where are there
2: have you thought at all about like I mean I know last season like I was begging for the Lakers to trade for him uh but like are you nice. is there any like logical in season trade that like you could see
1: I mean we have to factor in the fact that Washington seems like dead set on not rebuilding which is really strange <laughs> so like it's so weird like something like a Beal for McCollum would make a lot of sense for Portland you know for Washington like obviously long term that would make no sense but given what they've said that almost seems like that's what they would want Um, but if we're to assume they're acting rationally and they want, you know, an attractive younger package, I mean, Miami, maybe not the youngest of the young guys, but you know, justice Winslow type could be involved there. Um,
2: see like the whole thing about this warrior or this wizards rebuild that hasn't even begun yet is that what I think they should just be absolutely prioritizing is picks down the road. like, getting a guy who's been in the league for a few years just doesn't even really help them much because by the time they're going to compete, that guy's going to want to leave anyway. So like the John wall thing is just this massive anchor for as long as you need like, you need things that are going to like come in and start helping you in 2023, 2024. So like it, it almost needs to be just a very pick heavy deal. Mm -hmm. And the teams that like you'd expect to make those types of offers, like the, the Rockets have already kind of done that. The Lakers have already kind of
1: done that with their picks. So um could Denver build a package <laughs> you know Millsap's expiring takes care of the money and then you just you know name a couple young pieces you throw in Michael Porter throw in I'd, tory yeah, Craig I'd love
2: I'd love for Denver to make some kind of move like that that I've you know I would have loved for LeBron to have taken a meeting there like I know yeah, that wasn't gonna that, that was, obviously wasn't gonna happen but like I think that would have been a great fit like I think there's I would have loved for them to be kind of sniffing around on Anthony Davis although I know it's terrifying you know he's gonna leave blah 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 but like what if it was like D'Angelo Russell like for Beal, like is that? Oh my could you imagine
1: if that's how Gold <laughs> State reset? That's not <laughs> That'd that's be not so the craziest fun. thing.
2: Like if it was Clay and Beal on the same team, like the yeah. two like poor man's Clay Thompson plays with Clay Thompson. Would you
1: would you rather like is that team almost <clears throat> better? You know, come playoff time if it's Steph, Draymond, Beal and Clay rather than that's like so the deadly. difficulties of Durant? I mean, Durant's obviously the better player. <laughs> right. and, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting that, but just in terms of fit. It would be an amazing fit. It would be so much fun. I, I kind of want that to happen now. <laughs> um, I mean, a Being team Denver like, doesn't have the assets. Like, Or, really. I mean, uh, Dallas. Like, Dallas,
2: Dallas would, be would be really fun. fun. I don't think they have, like, the assets to get it done. Because Beal, to me, like, unlike Kevin Love, um, like, unlike Westbrook and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. that's a contract where you have to give something legitimate up. Yeah.
1: Sacramento could make something work. You know, I think if they decide they don't want to pay Yield, maybe Washington decides they want to be the team to pay buddy healed and you send back i don't know harry giles and bogdanovich
2: i mean i like i like those two players something
1: like that um i just think this it's it's
2: so tough to even talk about because the wizards seem like they're like a year behind where everyone else is in terms of like knowing what they need to do it's kind of like they're the hornets uh, with the kemba walker thing where it's like well yeah. this is
1: what they clearly should do but they're not even thinking about it and yet. no one would fault him like brad it's if you're brad beal it's like a no loss situation for you no you know like nobody in Washington's gonna kill brad beal if he if <laughs> he brad beal demands a trade. a trade like there's not gonna be any hot take yeah. show that slams him when well, he that. wouldn't even demand a trade it would be like a sheepish like guys like you understand right you know <laughs> can we just speed this up can we just yeah get like, this is here? really <laughs> sad that we're even doing this okay we are at well over an hour and a half did uh, you go under marathon. on them i went under as well okay. yeah of course what kind of question okay. um show. Show. so yeah we'll wrap this up we'll get to the <laughs> west next week um enjoy the weekend and until then